0: You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing infection control and how to decrease the risk to practitioners and patients. Our guest is Dr. Kelly Tanner, a visionary leader who helps dental teams achieve personal and career growth. Dr. Tanner has earned both an RDH and PhD she lectures extensively and has impacted more than 100,000 people with her speaking engagements. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsor, Acteon Group. Acteon is a leader in the dental industry based on its technical innovations in x-ray and digital imaging, high-frequency ultrasonic technology, pharmaceuticals, and precision instruments. So thank you, Acteon, for your continued support with Viva Learning CE webinars and podcasts. Dr. Tanner, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk.
1: Oh, thank you. It's it's a delight to be back.
0: Yeah, and for those of you who missed Dr. Tanner's previous podcast, it was on implant maintenance, and there's some really good points that she covered regarding the various devices, equipment, uh, techniques, and protocol that all dental hygienists should be considering when treating patients that have implants. Very important topic. So getting to infection control... How has the pandemic changed the way you approach infection control when practicing?
1: Once you take microbiology class, I think that everyone here listening to this, like once you see it, you can't unsee exactly what's floating around, what's on surfaces. And truly how I've rethought about it is when the pandemic occurred, the most important thing that stuck with me is, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we were taught in dental hygiene school. And I need to go back to the way that it was being done because that's what was tested, that's what was proven, and it passed the litmus test back then, and so why wouldn't it even be passing now? So rethinking, okay, what did I learn? What do I know? And then how do I go to, go to reintroduce that into what it is I'm doing? Because I think that we have this habit, and I, and I think that maybe I'm talking to you if you're if you're listening to this, you know, we don't think that we get cavities. We think that we're immune to them. We don't think that we need to floss all the time like we tell our patients. And I think also we think that we're somewhat immune to some of the aerosols and things that we're that we're spinning in the air and we're not. And so we need to get back to the original way that it was taught to us and to rethink what it is we're doing to produce those aerosols and to also keep our patients safe.
0: Yeah. That point you made about taking microbiology is so true. Based on the education we get in dental school, hygiene school, and and college or wherever you are where you take science classes the reality is you can't see these bugs and they survive for long periods of time and they transfer from one surface to another and washing hands is so important we do so much stuff on on Viva Learning on hand hygiene hand hygiene is just so critical
1: and I know that everyone is probably so over listening to some of this topic there's some big gaps in what we're still not doing for instance This is something I teach at a dental hygiene program that I started at 12 years ago in Virginia and cleaning and disinfecting our operatory with latex gloves on and not using our utility gloves. With those those gloves are not meant for, for disinfecting the operatory because it's a permeable material. So it affects our kidneys. And are we truly protecting ourselves that in that way? It's the little things that we're not following. And so we need to go back to our guidelines, take a course, you guys. There's so many out now. There's some great folks, very engaging speakers, speaking on these topics. And while it seems like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 It's about the guidelines. The guidelines are in place for a reason to protect us, our, I mean, a lot of things, right? Our patients, the families of our patients, our families. And so also to what I have been leaning into since the pandemic and even before, because Gosh knows if you guys have been in the profession, the whole holding the suction to try to reduce aerosols. And as a hygienist, I'm not really good at the high evacuator tip. I mean, I will suck a tongue up in a second, even though as a dental assistant, I know it's physics, but looking at devices that reduce or eliminate aerosols, things like the Zyrus Isovac or the Zyrus Isolite, and then also to the ultrasonic that you're using and the type of, not just the type, but the quantity of water and irrigation that you're using and how are you how are you managing that? And of course, just filters and all of that, but what is it that you're doing that you can prevent just by what it is that you're introducing into the environment?
0: What do you see as the most common drawback in a dental office where the highest risk occurs as far as spreading disease?
1: People are following the rules. It's the little things, the cross-contamination between the patients think about what you're touching first of all. Okay. So I'm a coach. I work chair side in offices. I do a lot with workflows, implementing technology, getting the team to value, not getting them to, but having them understand why it helps them creating that value and then helping them work through that. And the things that they're doing to touch, they'll touch one surface, they'll put their gloves in someone's mouth, then touch their loops, their loop string. It's just, that's, it's cross-contamination all the time. And it's so natural that they're not thinking about it because when, I know that when I left dental hygiene school and that when my students leave dental hygiene school, they no longer have us there to say, eh. You just touch that, take your gloves off, that's 10 points off. That's cross contamination. That's infection control violation. <laughs> yeah, so it's
0: a behavioral thing. And, you know, really when you have a doctor who does surgery all day, there's such tight protocol. When they're scrubbed down and they do their procedures, no one's touching anything else other than what they need to do. Uh, for the surgical procedure and all the disinfection that takes place beforehand, when they're scrubbed, it becomes a behavioral systematic approach toward good infection control protocol. And if you don't have that repeatedly in your brain to do this the right way, you stray. And when you stray off, that's where the issues occur. That's always the weakest point. That's where we, we get the spread of disease. So when we talk about spreading disease between patients, what can clinicians do to reduce the risk of cross-contamination between those patients that are coming to see you.
1: Right, it's of course proper sterilization. And I'm not sure how many of you all are keeping a sterilization log. I'm sure that you all are because we're rule followers, right? There is a company that's called Sterilog that I have learned more about this year that's amazing, that automates all of that. So I think it's sterilog.com that you can go to that eliminates any human error. Because as fast as environments and reduced workforces that we've had, that's one that's one way to make sure that everything is tightened up and buttoned up on your infection control. And then, you know, again, back to the point of thinking about what you're touching, because that's cross-contamination between patients. And then... Think about elimination of aerosols, which we talked about in terms of I use it. I like to use a piezo because it uses less water or whatever type of medicament that's in the chamber. It's like 50% less water. So I'm not creating those aerosols that are going into the air. And then also, of course, decontaminating your dental water unit lines. That's a huge one, the things that we've learned about in the last two years, because that in itself is spreading infection. And then two, I don't know if you guys know about this or not, okay, but hear me out. Have you ever researched, if you go online, like if you're driving, don't go online, but the air water syringe tip, the bio burden, like a non-disposable tip risk, and then you will see all of this bio burden that accumulates on the inside of that air water syringe tip over time. And I'm going to let you decide what you should do with your tip. So what I have discovered in the last two years is, well, there is this disposable tip. Not only, not only is it disposable, as in what I just stated, but it also keeps the air and the water separate while you are working. It keeps your dry field. And also, too, it makes it so the tip doesn't projectile. It locks in. So there's like a little adapter that goes with the tip, And it makes it so when you press the air the water, the air water syringe tip doesn't go flying. And it's always seated exactly how you want it to. So this tip, it's disposable. It locks in so it's staying where it's supposed to. And also, too, when you're working in a procedure and doctors, you know that the highest failure rate is when you have moisture control issues with composite bond or something you're bonding. Your water is separate from your air. Your air is separate from the water. You're not getting those spittles of that contamination in your procedure either. So these, I think they're the little things that lead up to the big things in our efficiency and our workflow and they're truly helpful.
0: Where are those tips available?
1: So risk control, it's funny the way it's spelled. So risk is R-I-S-K and then it's the K is used on the control, risk control, all one word, one K in the middle. And they are available through Action as well. The reason why I keep bringing Action up, they do such a good job at workflow. And they do a really good job at paying attention to what the operator is needing, what this patient's needing, that's, that's thinking forward on that workflow, reducing contaminants so it makes your job easier. It's protecting you and the patient.
0: As we wrap up this podcast, Dr. Tanner, tell our audience about your training program, Know Your Flow.
1: Know Your Flow program is about different devices that you can use. And it's not specific to one manufacturer. I think it's always fair to bring in other things. And I can only speak from, of course, my own personal experience, but it's what we're using in that decision-making every day that we know are the primary tools that we're going to utilize for every type of patient that we can think of. What's going to be the commonality between the devices that we're choosing? You know, how is it going to benefit every patient? And then how it's increasing our efficiency, how it's increasing our value that we're providing, and taking that ergonomic burden, you know, making sure we're staying in that, in that correct posture so it's not pulling, not creating ex- any extra forces on us throughout the day. and So it's protecting us protecting the patient, protecting your standard of care. And so that's what I'm, when I go shopping for things and talk to hygienists and and doctors, because hygienists have a lot of input also on the purchasing and the practices. What is it that's going to make your life easier based on what you know? Okay, have you looked at everything? Have you looked at every piezo? Have you, do you know the manufacturers that are involved? So give them three choices to say, okay, based on this, what is it, who is it that you need to visit at this meeting or who do you need to contact? Get that information. Say, okay, I want to try this out. Some will actually come in to give you a demo unit. They'll let you use it for a week or two to see if you love it. If you don't love it, you get to try something else. So I encourage for folks to use these devices, figure out what's going to work for you. And so when we talk about know your flow, think about all the different steps that we do. I know in dental hygiene, it's assess, diagnose, implement, plan, evaluate to make sure that it's what we've done, what we did, what we think that we did is what we actually did and how that's setting up that patient for success. So what in your workflow system that you're using makes it easy for you is a no brainer to just create those habits of standardization throughout your practice practice throughout every single appointment time and every single patient
0: yeah very well said and so important to make the right purchasing decision and listen the information is out there you can google it but then you're not really talking to someone that has the experience and that potentially has already made that mistake that you don't want to make you want to keep your inventory low right you don't want to clutter up your office with things that you're not going to use or that doesn't improve efficiency in your workflow what is your website so our audience can check it out
1: Absolutely. It's drkellytanner.com. And I also own Next Level Dental Hygiene as well. So I'm a speaker. We have uh, uh, also online classes available for a variety of topics, not just for dental hygienists, but also for teams and leadership. That's that's what my background is in behavioral change and also leadership and drawing you to make the right decisions for your patients.
0: Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank Thank you you
1: so much. Pleasure.